Oh, ich kann kein Deutsch sprechen. <laughs> What? <laughs> you speak German too, Sergio? No, 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 I just said I don't. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hurdy Gurdy Cafe, an hour of interviews, music, and camaraderie. I'm Ryan, and I'll be your host along this crazy adventure through the land of the wheel fiddle. So strap in, and let's see what's cranking in the Hurdy Gurdy community today. Uh, so maybe we can start the, the podcast or what? Yeah. Yes, yes, let's go ahead and let's do that. Okay. Um, so welcome to episode five of the Hardy Gertie Cafe, the Hardy Gertie Podcast, and I'm here with Sergio Gonzalez. Hello, everybody. And Sam Riffle. Hi. And Sergio, how would you introduce Sam? Sam, we all know Sam, and if you don't know her, you should know her, by the way. Is <laughs> <laughs> the, well, my fellow admin uh, from the Hardy Gertie community group. On Facebook, she's the queen of the Hardy Gardy community. Hello. Hello, Sam. How are you? Hello. I'm really like, I, I feel like I have such imposter syndrome about this because I'm really like, who's <laughs> the person who does the filing? I'm not like, you know, the superstar or anything. I just, people know my name because I'm the one who adds new members to the group. So <laughs> I do the paperwork. I'm the front desk. Yes. <laughs> well, if it wasn't for you, a lot of the stuff wouldn't be happening. So. All <laughs> oh, right. Not to say that it's not an important job. I recognize yeah. that. But like. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not the superstar player or like a lot of the other people that you guys are going to be talking to in the future. Like I'm not, I'm just, I'm just a passionate hurdy-gurdy enthusi enthusiast and uh, a very organized person. So that's why this is <laughs> That's why you moved to Germany, right? Yeah, actually, yeah. that's a big part of it. Very <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sam, so maybe you can start talking uh, about how did you start with the, with the instrument? Right. So like you guys said, I mean, as you can probably hear from how I sound, I'm American, but I, I moved to Germany in 2005 um, and I was doing a master's program here. And a lot of the friends I made on the program had the same sort of like nerdy interests that I had. So it was, you know, role playing and gaming and all that sort of stuff, fantasy and dragons and swords. And so, of course, with that comes a certain style of music. And there's a whole scene here in Germany that I knew nothing about when I lived in the U.S. It's, it's called Mittelalter Rock or like medieval rock. Um, so it's bands like Subway to Sally, In Extremo, Schandmauer, and so they introduced me to all of these bands and I just immediately fell in love with that kind of music because it like combined everything I love about, you know, all that nerdy fantasy stuff <laughs> and some of it was really historical, like they'd taken, you know, music from medieval scores that they'd, that they'd researched in archives and stuff and And of course, there's a lot of, you know, Irish folk in there as well, because this is an interesting thing with Germany, because um, the, the folk sort of folk music that you have here, a lot of it is Irish or Scandinavian, because there's sort of a stigma about historical German stuff, you know, for, for good reason. So um, they, they take a lot of their inspiration in the folk scene here from other countries. Um, so anyway, yeah, so we would start going to a lot of these shows, and I was listening to these albums all the time, and To be honest, with those bands, I didn't really notice the hurdy-gurdy. Like it was there in all of them, I think, but it was there were so many other instruments combined in there that I didn't really, yeah. or that they were mixed in such a way that it's 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 like one even sound and, and it doesn't really stand out next to the other instruments. So it took a couple of years of listening to this kind of music. And for me, it was like a downward spiral. I started with, you know, this this fantasy, fun, dancing folk music. 
And I just went deeper and deeper into like metal, like really, ex- now I'm into like really extreme stuff that's just screaming and noise, but. Um, <laughs> noise, come on. <laughs> somewhere around, yeah, somewhere around 2010, I was listening to a band called Arcona, um, who are a Russian folk metal band where they had this blend of like clean singing and screaming where it took me a while to get used to harsh vocals in, in music. So that was one that was like a gateway where I, you know, I heard this and I thought, oh, it's so beautiful. Like the clean singing. And then she's like, oh, it's a female singer. And she just, she's oh. awesome. Uh, Masha, right? She's Masha, yeah. Masha, yeah. So <laughs> in 2010, there's, there used to be a, a regular tour here in, in Europe called Pagan Fest. They did a Pagan Fest in the spring and a Haydn Fest or like Heathen Fest in the fall. And so the 2010 trailer video for Pagan Fest, I was, you know, I was thinking of going because Arcona was playing and I saw the trailer and there was this music in the background and I was like, what is that sound? That is the most beautiful thing I have ever heard. And it was Elvati's Thousandfold. And it was- Okay. Good song. Yeah. The solo right at the beginning of that track. I went, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Now, I missed the tour that year because I got the swine flu. But as soon as I heard that sound, I started researching. I was like, I have to find out what this is. Found out what the instrument was found out where I could go in Germany to learn more about it. So within the first three months of hearing that song, I had booked a workshop. I had booked lessons. Like there's a teacher here in Berlin who is the daughter of the luthier Kurt Reichmann. He lives in mm. Frankfurt. She lives in Berlin. Her name's Zilke. And so I booked lessons with her and like one-on-one. And, and before that, I went to a workshop with Simon Vashar, the, the Austrian hurdy-gurdy player. And I was really lucky because I went to that first. He, I was the only person there who didn't have a hurdy-gurdy. So this was in, I, I'd heard this song, I heard the LVT tune in January and by April I was at the workshop. Oh. So, Germany. It's like, it's the best place to be for this. So um, <laughs> he brought me a, a loner for that weekend. It was a, a French loop back and it was, oh, it was so beautiful. And I met a woman at the workshop who lived in Berlin who had just bought his man and was looking to rent out her old sort of you know, tr- trad eBay hurdy-gurdy that she'd gotten. Okay. It was not like, it was not the best thing, but it, but it worked, you know, I could do, I could do trumpet. It had two melody strings, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I borrowed that from her for four years. Um, wow. Until I was wow. Four yeah. years. Yeah. She was like, bless that woman's heart. Like we don't, we don't have contact anymore because she hasn't really, I guess she hasn't really been around, but um, she allowed me to borrow it from her for four years. And um in that time, I was saving up money and, and uh, was looking around to think, okay, can I, you know, get one of these myself? You guys are going to have to stop me at some point because I will just talk forever. No, no, it's, 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 it's very interesting. I'm, I'm very into the story time moment. So I'm like, tell me more. Yeah. So when I had this rental hurdy-gurdy, I was playing every day for like eight hours. And kids, yeah, don't, don't do this. Because I was working from home. I've been working from home since 2009. I'm a freelance translator. So be very careful with your body. Don't do what I did because within the first like three to six months, I developed really bad repetitive stress injury in my left arm. And that has not gone away in 10 years. I still have it. So that's, that's, that's very important. And we talked about it uh, yeah, with Sona yeah, on the, on the yeah. previous uh, post about the T-Rex hands and, yeah, and everything. This is... Uh, this is crazy. And also I have to say myself, yeah. uh, I, I also have my hands pretty f- that. Yeah. <laughs> really so uh, don't, don't do like like with it uh, yes avoid avoid that <laughs> exactly and this is the thing I mean I had a teacher I had all the best you know foundations that you could have for this because she was teaching me proper posture she was teaching me you know how to like but I still I just overdid it I think and it's and I still have not recovered so everybody be careful but yeah so 
for all that time, I mean, I was playing really intensely for the first couple of months and then I kind of had to like slow down. And there were times when I would take breaks of a couple of months to see if I could recover. And anyway, so, um, but it didn't stop me from being obsessed with the hurry like <laughs> at all. And, and even in 10 years, even with all these problems I have, because I have it in my, my left arm, there's some like an ulnar nerve entrapment between my elbow and my wrist. And then I also have like tendonitis in my thumbs. And that's also from typing because I type all day. So, you know, it's all terrible. You can't blame it on the hurdy-gurdy then. No, but it's, I mean, yeah, part of it, part of it is, is typing. Part of it is the hurdy-gurdy. But yeah, anyway. it's a contributing factor, but exactly. you know, there's, there's something else going on there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just my body just doesn't work. That's, <laughs> that's what it is. So, um, right. Anyway, so, you know, I, I, I do play pretty rarely, but that never really stopped me from being completely like, tunnel vision about this instrument it's the only thing I've ever been this obsessed with so I was still going to all the gigs and you know watching all these bands I I think I saw between 2010 and 2020 I think I saw Elvati 20 times oh, like, wow every time they were anywhere near me I would go there were times when I traveled like I went to the U.S. to see them once with my brother okay <laughs> he'd never seen them before and the tickets the flight tickets were really cheap and I was like Mike do you want to see this band with me so yeah, um, so you do that enough times, and I was in their forum at the time as well, so I got to know a lot of the, the other hardcore Elevati fans and traveled to shows with them and stuff, and um, it's like a whole community that was, and I was like the resident hurdy-gurdy obsessive in that group, so um, you kind of get to know the band members a bit. I, I remember I got to, I went to the Pagan Fest Festival again in, in Tilburg in the Netherlands in 2012, and we had like an Elevati Forum meetup there. So that, and, and the band helped us organize it. So we got to go and meet them. And, and I had a long talk with Anna about like hurdy-gurdies and repetitive stress injury because she had the same issues back then as well. And, okay, and how um, was your meeting with, with Anna, Anna Murphy, yeah. It was nice, yeah, she's, she's really, really cool. Like she's also one of these sort of tunnel vision people about the instrument. I mean, you, I, think, I think this is something that a lot of hurdy-gurdy players have in common that you don't just have sort of a, an ambivalent relationship with the instrument. It is, it's all you think about, you know? <laughs> that's, that's a good mania, right? Yeah, good mania, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I watched the episode with Scott. That's, yeah, <laughs> I understand that feeling. So yeah. Um, yeah. So I, you know, we talked a couple times about, about the instrument and I, I, I picked her brain for advice at the time. Cause I was like, oh, I really want to order one of these. And I talked to Stefan Groth from Syrup and Phone. Um, about the instrument, and he gave me some recommendations. And um, Alexi Vache from France, who now lives oh, in he the says, US. He says, I love yeah. him. He's an amazing player, and I got to see him again in February when I was in LA and watched him demo some instruments and stuff. He's just, he's a super amazing player and really, really, really helpful. And that's been the thing that I've seen with this everywhere is that hurdy-gurdy players ha are so helpful. Like if you, if you want to know something about the instrument, they will tell you more than you want to know. <laughs> like, <laughs> as we're seeing right now. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm really grateful to all those people. And I did like, so in 2012, in the summer, I went to France finally, cause I was like, okay, I, you know, this is how you decide what instrument you want to get if you live over here, because it's, you, you have this opportunity to f go to a festival where almost all of the hurdy-gurdy makers in Europe have so continue. Come on, yeah. It had a different name when I went, but I, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I don't, the, name, but so I, I don't speak French, so I, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. Well, it, you went there when it was uh, still in Saint Chartier, then uh, in the Chartres, yeah, La Chartres, yeah. okay, mm. yeah. But I, but I don't know, it had a really long name, uh, and mm. that was a really long French name, and <laughs> I know, I know that name, but um, so we anyway, were, we I were talking. 
Yeah. Yes, you went in France. Yes. And I and I went there um a hundred percent expecting that I was going to get a gotchi like Anna Murphy had at the time. She had a gotchi okay. novello classico, one of those custom ones. It was very I like I just love the sound of that. I still love it. It's it's not that super mellow cello sound that you get with like a, a Weichselbaumer or a Hisman Largo or one of those, you know, but it's it's a bit like it's got a little bit of a goose honk sound to it. <laughs> it's more soprano and, and um, yeah. So, I mean, she had some low melody strings on there and everything, but it's still, it was still, it was a really powerful sound. So when I went to France, I, the first place I went was to um, the Gachi tent, which is run by Alexandra Betz now. And it was raining. It was raining really hard. It was super humid. All yeah. the instruments were playing up. Um, and she only had phoenixes there, the, you know, the phoenix, uh, that's, that's like the standard gotchi instrument now. And I was, I had asked her if she, if she brought one of those and she said, oh, no, sorry, I didn't. But, you know, if you wanted to try one, you'd have to come to my shop. And I'm like, well, I mean, I, theoretically, I could do that. But I tried the phoenix and I just, I think it was probably the weather conditions, but I just, I wasn't really keen on it. It, it just mm. didn't feel right, you know. And you know how that is if you've tried multiple instruments that you just know when you when you have one in your hands you go yes this is the one so that's what i was doing in france was walking around to these stalls and trying to find that one instrument that did that sounded the way i wanted and um that felt the way that i wanted so i was a little bit too scared to go to the french makers stalls because this was france and they were all speaking <laughs> french and i felt so awkward so i headed for the germans <laughs> i talked to i and i talked to neil brook there as well because um I think we were talking about this before that, you know, I tried his, his hurdy Gordy back then. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a great little instrument. He had a couple of them there and that was, he was sitting next to Chris Allen's stand that day. They sound, they sound really full in the videos I've heard. Yeah, Did they have they, that in person as well? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was so impressed because I looked at this and went, Oh, that's, that's an interesting concept. And then I tried one. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> there's a picture of me um, going like, you know, having one in my lap and being like, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to try one of them. So good. So that was, I mean, I, you know, but, but ultimately the other factor that I was considering while I was doing this is that I wanted a luthier who would theoretically be within driving or, or train distance because I thought, oh, I really don't want to fly with a hurdy gurdy. So, um, I went to his month stand and just was like, I sat, the second I sat down and tried one of those things, I was like, yep, this is it. (laughs) (laughs) I tried, um, the Vivace. I tried the, uh, um, now I'm blanking on the name. Accento. He, he had the prototype. The, the solid body, right? The, the electronic one, the, uh, the electric one, the green one. It was green originally. The one, you know, now it's very elegant and like <laughs> and red and brown and whatever, but it was like electric green back then. And um, the Largo, which obviously, I mean, I, f- I absolutely fell in love with that one, but I also had a budget. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, and this was back before the Largos were really like, you know, double digit thousands. This was... Um, yeah, so it was, it was, uh, it would have been maybe manageable, but I, I also wanted to get electronics in the instrument, even though I, you know, I'm not really a musician, I'm not a professional, I'm, you know, but I just thought just in case, you never know. So um, I ended up ordering a Vivace with um, the full electronics, and I have three melody strings, two uh, trumpets, and two drones. And it took about a year to be ready. So I, you know, I, I, after France, I, I went and thought about it for a while and thought, yeah, no, this is what I'm going to do. Cause he, he sent me a couple of offers that he said, okay, you can do this one for this much or this one for this much. And I thought, okay, Vivace seems like the best combination of all these things. So I ordered it at the end of 2012 
it was ready at the beginning of 2014, um, but I needed to plan because because he Sebastian lives um, about a nine hour drive from where I am. Okay. But yeah, I mean it's still Germany, but we're at like opposite ends of the country, so I mean it's doable. I didn't have to fly, but um, yeah, so I thought okay, I really need to plan this. So I got down there in July of 2014 uh, to pick up my instrument, and it's just like it's it's so perfect. <laughs> It sounds exactly the way I want. It does everything I wanted to do. It's been, and it's been so like compared to the rental that I had before, it's so stable. Like that was, that was the problem I always had with the, with the, the old trad. I mean, it wasn't even, I say, I say trad, like it's a bad thing. I don't mean that because this, this just wasn't a well-made instrument. That was, that was the thing. It was, um, it was some, I asked my teacher at the time, I asked it, I'm like, do you know who made this? Cause the lady who owned it didn't know she bought it off eBay. Mm. So she said, yeah, this looks like one of these, you know, 1980s home builds, garage builds. So, um, but she said, you know, it's fine. It works. Like she did a few modifications. She took a knife to it and like made some of the notches <laughs> and stuff. Well, yeah, you started. So yeah, 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 exactly. And I, you know, I loved it. It was so, it was so much fun to play on, even though like the downside of it was for me. And I think this is part of the reason I have this issue with my hand. Um, is that you couldn't play with without both melody strings on. Like there was some problem with the balance of the strings. They both had to be on the wheel in order for it to make a sound. So that meant that there was a lot of pressure uh, on my fingers and that I think aggravated it, I, which is why like now when people say, ooh, should I get like four melody strings in my first instrument? I'm like, no, 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 no. You're going to be playing it all the time. Like you have to be really careful. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's if you can, ha if you have one where you have two or three melody strings and you can take, a couple of them off the wheel and you know then that's it's better well one, one quick thing about that though because it, at first i thought to myself well, why would that be the case and so some people might not know that it's because when you've got four right and you're playing even if you're just playing one you're still hitting all four of them yeah, at the same exactly, time right exactly. yeah yeah okay um, yeah but you'll have you'll have even more resistance if they're on the wheel because you're you know right. like you're pulling against the wheel as well and that's yeah Show us, Sergio. Yeah, I, I actually I started with <laughs> with a four uh, melody strings instrument, but I almost never used uh, the four when when I started. Yeah. So I was basically playing on the on the low G and the octave, uh, like mm -hmm. uh, low G, high G, and then eventually with the years of of practice, I I started using the the low D and then the, the octave. But for example, on my next instrument, the, the, I'm, I'm waiting for my for my new uh, Hardy Gardy. I only ordered it with, with uh, three melody strings. Eh? So because, you know, it's yeah. normally it's for it's uh, normally too much for me. And then yeah. you, you know, you have to adjust an extra line of tangents, make them uh, <laughs> touch the strings um, all at the same time, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, what uh, Ryan was saying, uh, of course, when you when you press one of the one of the keys, even if you only have one um, one melody string engaged, exactly. yeah, the four tangents are, are pressing the, the 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 strings at the same time, right? So it's a bit more difficult to to do the vibratos. It's a bit um, a bit hard, right? Yeah. But it works though, but uh, yeah. I also think uh, the three melody strings is the, the best configuration, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you can, you can okay. do some as well. And I find, I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't play that often these days because I do still have this problem with my arm. Maybe, maybe once a month if I'm lucky and then I have to be really careful. Like I have to set a timer 
because otherwise I'll sit there and play. I just won't stop, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll play the whole day. And then I'd let, the next day I'll be like, ow, I can't move my fingers, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, but I, I find I do only really play on the low G melody string. I added a, okay, I shouldn't say this because Sebastian is very like, Sebastian Hisman is like an engineer and he's, his instruments are beautifully precise and everything is, is like calibrated to the tiniest little Super degree. German. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And in a good way, obviously a good way. Um, but I, I asked him the last time I was there if I could swap out one of my, I had a high D melody string in the middle. And I asked him if I could swap that out for a low C because I like the sound. He said, no, don't do that. <laughs> because oh. he said, you know, I mean, I understand why he did because the key box isn't really wide enough to accommodate it. So when you, you know, it, when it yeah, vibrates, you, it'll hit the other tangent. get some vibrations on the other the tangents and so on, but. But I did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I did it too. I did yeah, it too. And, and yeah, so um, I, you know, I had to experiment with it a bit that I, I first started with a regular low C string. I was a tomastic dominant, like a standard. I forget which one it was, but it was, but it was really not sounding right. Like it was sounding really weak and it was sort of floppy. And, and um, so I, I think I asked about this in the group and, and Christian from Denmark said, try um, a half scale length or three quarter scale length string instead for like a smaller violin or viola um, mm -hmm. to, to see if that changes it. And he was right. I think I have a half scale length. Exactly. And it's, because it's you, you have more tension. Exactly. So it's exactly. less wobble. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, and, it, and it, it sounds louder and it doesn't vibrate quite as much. So um, it's still, I know that when I take it to Sebastian the next time, he's going to go, what have you done? You know, because <laughs> I <then, laughs> the problem is I also, I have an adjustable melody bridge, but the way that that works is you have, you know, you have these two wheels on the bottom of the bridge, so you can move mm -hmm. one side up and down. And because that C string is in the middle, I had to adjust oh. the melody bridge to accommodate that string. So now I've shimmed my low G and he's going to have a heart attack when he sees that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like a little piece of cardboard in there oh so but yeah i mean i'm sure he's yeah well for, from from a newbie why wouldn't you just like switch your strings around so like the the lower string would be on the end or is there a reason for not doing that i mean i don't know i suppose i i don't know that it would matter because i have a low g and a low c so i think i would run into that problem no uh, matter what you know okay. um okay. but like yeah so i i guess i could try but i'm i'm also really wary about I, this is crazy because after 10 years of, of being obsessed with this instrument, reading everything and doing everything, and you know, I'm still super scared to do anything to my own instrument, which is crazy. But yeah, um, I usually will do that stuff if I'm, uh, if I have the assistance of someone a bit more experienced. Like I, all of these changes that I made, um, Scott Marshall was here last year and I was like, so do you think that I could do this with my instrument? And he's like, yep, I just <laughs> like he just took it apart <laughs> back together. Put some masking tape on my on my dogs to make them vibrate a little bit differently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. Uh, I, it really helps if you have somebody nearby who like is super super experienced, which I know in the U.S. is a problem unless you live in L.A. Basically. Well, but <laughs> right. uh, but that 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 is guiding us to the Hardigan community in Facebook. Like yes. for example, what happened to you with Christian that mm -hmm. already yeah. owned uh, the same instrument as you. Exactly. Exactly. He had a vivace and that was, this was something that he tried because he had a lot of practice with all kinds of instruments and with hurdy-gurdies especially. And he didn't have the same fear that I had of just like tearing it apart and doing something new. So yeah, the group, and I've learned so much from that, you know, like I, yeah. Can we talk about how that started? Or? Wait, before we talk about how that started, we need to listen to some music. Okay. Yes, I, I completely forgot that we were supposed to be listening to music as well. So, um, what what we'll do is we'll listen to uh, we'll listen to two tracks and um, we'll put them together. So we'll have one and the other, and then we'll come back in 
Um, and the first track we have that you recommended, Sam, uh, was from Mike Smith called Tea in the Morning. Yeah. So cool. Mike's own compositions. His and YouTube channel is an absolute gold mine if you're looking for Hurdy Gurdy tunes. He has so much beautiful stuff on there. And the second tune, uh, this is the one about the Jack Queen King. Would you yeah, tell the, us? Yeah, the band is called Bube Dame König. They're from Halle in Germany. And they um, use a lot of uh, sort of uh, Irish, Scandinavian traditional tunes. Um, and then they have German lyrics over them um, that have been written by a guy that like a sort of poet from their, from their area. And this particular song, I think this was actually written by um, Jan, the uh, guitarist in the band. And he, um, it's, a, it's a story about a local legend in Halle, about a, um, a forest ranger who, who lives in their local forest in this, in this cabin. And he just loves it there so much. He loves the forest. He loves his cabin, even though the roof leaks and the door is you know, <laughs> coming through it. And he says, I'm going to stay here forever. And so he goes out and hunts his deer or whatever. And as he ages, you know, the, the, the city's governing authorities decide, okay, it's time for him to leave this cabin. And he says, I am not leaving this cabin over my no dead way. body. Spoiler alert, sad ending. So. <laughs> no, oh, come on. Oh, oh the poor Heide for us, sir. Yeah, so, um, but it's a really pretty song. And it features Till Ullmann on, on the Hurdy Gurdy, who um, is an incredible player here in Germany. He sometimes gives workshops here and he's done all kinds of, he, he plays a Weichsel Bomber and he's done some interesting modifications on his to be able to play some chords or whatever. Although I don't think he demonstrates that on this particular song, but it's a really nice Hurdy Gurdy part, so. Okay. okay, all right, let's, let's listen to it. Yes, let's have a listen to Mike Smith's Tea in the Morning. And, um, and then what was the second track again? Uh, the band is called Bubadama König, and the song yeah. is called Heide für Star Lied. Okay, let's have a listen.
meiner Jugend, ich weiß es noch gut. Da war das Wild vor mir auf der Hut. Mit Pulver und Blei zog ich durch den Wald. Der Lauf meiner Flinte blieb selten. Doch eines Tages, da fehlte mir Glück. Ein 14-Ender sprang aus dem Gebüsch. Die Flinte ging los, verfehlte sie. Der Hirschen kam, kein Schuss, viel zu viel. Und leckt auch das Dach und zieht's durch die Tür. Nichts in der Welt tauscht dich ein dafür. Hier wollte ich leben, hier werde ich alt. In meinem Forsthaus, im Ich bin vor ihnen auf der Hut. Die Flinte geht los, die Kugel ins Ziel. Der Förster liegt tot, kein Schuss, viel zu Have a listen to those tracks, and uh, you spoke a good bit about them before we got into it. But what made you pick the Mike Smith track, "Tea in the Morning"? I I just think Mike is um, a player who doesn't really get enough recognition. You know, he posts a lot of videos in the group, and he's such a talented player. And and the the tunes that he uh, composes himself and that he collects um, from different parts of Europe are just. I think he has really good taste in tunes. You know, um, mm -hmm. and he's also an amazing visual artist. I don't know if you guys have seen his paintings. Oh, the paintings are like when I saw when I first saw one of one of them it was like oh, is that Nigel yeah. <laughs> I actually I contacted him at some point last year because he did that painting of, of Nigel Eaton and I asked him if he was selling prints and he's like well I, I wasn't but if you want one I could do one for you so I have it's, I, I haven't fully moved into this apartment yet it's um the, the 
uh, print is still in my old house, but I have like this framed print of that. Of it's Mike. so cool. I want one <laughs> too, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and he also has a very nice collection of uh, Hardy Gardies. Like, yes, like, yeah. I, I would choose the same Gardies, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He has really, really. just impeccable taste in Gardies, impeccable taste in tunes, just really all around good stuff. He should do some paintings of, of, of all of the hurdy gurdy players. Like, I, you know, I mean, yeah, nice painting of Steven Tyler or Steve Tyler, you know, that would be wonderful. Or <laughs> I would love to see that. So yeah. we can make it on t-shirts. Kids all over the world can have them posted all over their, their bedrooms. <laughs> you think that would happen? Like you're joking about this, but I actually have like a collection of pictures of hurdy gurdies and, and hurdy gurdy players. And like, you know, those old Savoyard, like the women with the hurdy gurdy song over them. I have like, Usually in front of my desk, I have all of these things arranged around my monitors. So <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's a good idea. I mean, I know it sounds strange, but, uh, you know, in other traditions, like, for example, when you're learning martial arts or something else, you, you, you kind of like want to emulate people so that you become like them. So it exactly. seems like it'd be wonderful. And you look at them, you practice, then you kind of grow into whatever spirit they're all about. Your inspiration. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, the hurdy-gurdy community, Sergio. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about the community and how yeah. we started and what's the goal and everything. Yeah. Okay. So, like, we, you and I, didn't start the group. Yeah. That was that was Jimmy and Sana. They, exactly. Yes. That's yeah, true. They started the group back in um, 2017 because initially it was a private group um, where they had uh, th there was Hurdy Gurdy Player before that. And it turned out that that group wasn't really moderated. And there were a couple of members in Hurdy Gurdy Player who had expressed a desire to have a moderated space where they could you know, talk to people. Yeah, to help I, re I, I remember they called me communist for saying that. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> they, they called you a communist for wanting to have more moderation? Yes, I remember wow. that. It was so fun. Wow. <laughs> well, I think I, I think because sometimes it was just it was difficult because really there are so many people who were in Hurdy Gurdy Player who were just such experts. You know, people who have been playing for years, teaching for years. I mean, um, Callie and Alden Hackman from the U.S. have been making mm -hmm. it for years and years, and they were saying, "Oh, it's it's been really frustrating because we're getting a lot of resistance when we tell people." you know, this isn't like other instruments, that it's it's really, really complex and it's difficult to build. And that's why the price tag is so high. And we, like, they actually gave up making hurdy-gurdies because it got to be too expensive. Like, they were, they were like, losing money because the amount of time and effort and, and everything that they were investing into building these things just didn't pay off in the cost. So um, they were getting really uh, frustrated with people saying, oh, it's too expensive, it's too expensive. I mean, it is expensive, yeah. Like, this is something, it's, it's a barrier for all of us. And, and, and I understand that, but like people have been working for decades and decades and decades to try to change that, you know, and thank God for the nerdy gurney now. That's been such a godsend, like to have uh, something that, you know, it may not be like the end all be all of instruments. Maybe you can't record with it or whatever, but it, but it gets you learning and that's, you know, exactly. for a, a relatively low price. That's the purpose. Yes, totally. Okay. Can you really put a price on love? Right. <laughs> I mean, you can. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so um, so they expressed this desire. Jimmy and Sana decided that they were going to start this group, this private group where they could talk about what they wanted to do. And ultimately they said, okay, we're, we're going to move this to a public group again, and we're just going to make sure that it's moderated. But at that point they said, well, this is a lot of work for us. We think we'd like to step back. And so they had seen Sergio and, and me commenting on stuff and said, you guys seem pretty reasonable. Would you like to take it? And so we said, well, okay, <laughs> you know, so um, yeah, that was just kind of how it happened. And, and our whole goal in this was to help people 
learn that it was, um, you know, we, we had had this experience ourselves where we'd had people be super helpful to us. And then we just wanted to make sure that the, the people who were real experts were having their voices heard and that, and that learners had a chance to ask the questions that they needed to ask without things getting too heated or too complicated or if that makes sense. I don't know. So that was, that was part of why one of the first things I did was write the FAQ because I, I knew that this was a thing where, you know, a lot of, a lot of what we get in the group, and this is still the case today, is that you get new people coming in and saying, where do I get a hurdy-gurdy? Uh, why does it cost so much? You know, uh, what are all the, what do I need to know? Where can I learn? You know, so we tried to put together as much documentation as possible about this right from the beginning. And over the years, we've, you know, expanded that a little bit or modified it a little bit, but I think we still have a lot of work to do on that, to be honest. Like, <laughs> Um, we do, yeah, I mean, uh, what I'm, what I'm hoping for personally is like that maybe we can come up with like a series of videos or something or, or like short bursts of things to help people learn without having to read the, you know, 20 pages of. Yes, we're working on that. Uh, and we are also working on the, on the new website. Yeah, <laughs> to, to make the FAQ really available for everybody. Yeah, uh, even yeah if that's, they, the, that's the other problem. Like, the, the group. I mean, the fact that Facebook is sort of a closed system exactly. You're not yeah. in the group and and you know if there are people asking about this kind of stuff on reddit or on other websites where it's like you it's good to be able to have public resources to direct them to and, and we we took the the hurdy-gurdy community uh pri private um a couple of years ago like we i think we had it uh, totally public for about a year but part of the problem back then with facebook's algorithm was that when people would comment on posts in the group it would show up in their friends timelines and stuff and so i mean like the amount of chattering that we were doing in that group, it was like- It was know, no, <laughs> yeah. Not pretty friends, you know? So um, that we took a vote back then and decided that we were gonna close the group just so that that sort of thing didn't happen. I'm not sure that's really an issue with Facebook's algorithm anymore, but either way, I mean, so that's why we have the restricted membership. That's really the only reason it wasn't, it wasn't about like keeping people out or anything. But um, what, what that actually does help though, is that now I add members twice a week and I can tag them all in a post right when I add them so they can see, okay, go read this, go read this, go read this, go watch this video, go do this before you make any comments at all. So yeah, that's been kind of a helpful tool. Thanks, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and most of the time they listen now that you've got uh, that kind yeah. of setup? No. Okay. <laughs> I say no. I, mean, I say no. No one reads it. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, maybe they, maybe they don't read it right away, but I would say like tag has in I think probably 95% of the cases people don't comment right away you know yeah, that's that's very good that's very good it used to be that we would add people to the group and like before I even had the chance to you know post anything or say anything or whatever they would they'd be like where do I get a hurdy where, where do you okay. where do you get one yes how do we slow down take a deep breath because <laughs> the one thing you need with this instrument is patience you have to be patient and if you if you can't wait the time to if you, if you don't have the the patience to to read about this kind of stuff or to watch some videos if you don't have the patience to wait for an instrument to be made you're probably not gonna have the patience to play it because it can be so frustrating even if you have a really good one you know there yes. are just days when you have to sit there doing maintenance for an hour before you can play a single note so yeah i mean that's i hope that doesn't sound rude or anything but i just that's that's how I, i've always looked at it that you really kind of have to be tunnel vision obsessive and and willing to read a lot before you sort of get going so so it's like an instrument for smart people no 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> totally no it's just an instrument for people who are sort of obsessed you know that uh, yeah i don't know it's actually an instrument for uh, for anybody but uh, you 
you actually you learn that skill of patience mm -hmm. because yeah. when when I started uh, playing the the gurdy, I, I was not patient. I wanted I, I want everything now, uh, fast, and and then like. The, my, my first steps, like uh, taking care of the instrument with the adjustment, yeah. with the maintenance, with the cotton, the rosin, the blah, blah, blah. It was like, like zen for me yeah. uh, somehow, you know, like with a screwdriver and, and trying to adjust everything perfectly. Yeah. It's, then, like, it's like socializing a feral cat. You have to be <laughs> really patient with it and spoon feed it. And <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's not an instrument for, for, for smart or, or, or clever or rich people. Even. No, 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 no. So everybody but, but is, is, is one welcome. One way or another, it does require a certain degree of patience. That's really Yes, yes, yeah. but that's something you, you can learn. Yeah. I, I did it. <laughs> so. Maybe for mature people? Mm, no? Mean, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll quit with my adjectives. They're not I, any good. <laughs> like, it's easy for me to say this living in Germany, though. That's the thing. Because, you know, like I said, I, I first learned about the instrument in January of one year. And then by April, I was in a workshop, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like... Yeah, that's uh, not know. mature. That's sort of impulsive. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's impulsive. But I, it's, <laughs> I'm just lucky that I had that opportunity. Where yeah. I understand that in the U.S., that's just not an option for a lot of people that there's, right. you know, that you, even, even if you can go to the workshop in Indiana, that's once a year, you, you may not, you, you might be too far away. You, you know, the travel might be prohibitive and, and that's only the once a year. It's, and, and uh, sometimes that's not even enough. Maybe you need to get to Europe to, to uh, test out instruments or something. I mean, and those just are, those are, those are opportunities that it, you just don't have in the U S it's, mm -hmm. and it's, Mm -hmm. <laughs> like the vast majority of people in our group are Americans. And I think I, you know, I, it, it, is that true? Is it? Yes. Yes. It's a yeah. Huh. Huge, I think some like 80% or something. I mean, not, the, like active, that. You know, not also, the active members necessarily. Well, but the people that watch my videos, if you, if you uh, watch the statistics, is uh, the statistics is like 80% Americans. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Well, I, I thought, I mean, I thought the reason they made the North American hurdy gurdy player page was well, the, that was that was sort of to um, siphon off a lot of the questions that people were asking about, like, oh, can I find a hurdy-gurdy player in Iowa? Can I find one oh, in North Dakota? You know, because okay. it was like, well, yeah, this group, the hurdy-gurdy community is people from all over the world, whereas North America, you know, the, it's, it's to try to help people connect within the U.S., Canada, Mexico. Right. Yeah, and then we also made the census for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's the, this, the <laughs> census, and uh, yeah, you can... Put your marker then there and then watch the map and see if someone is close to you. So yeah. And so what are you two doing like in regards to the website and how it's going to relate to the Facebook page? Like how's that all going to tie together with the, the Hurdy Gurdy community website that you both are working on? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's something we are uh, thinking <laughs> on. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not uh, hundred percent decided, but I, I think we the, the, the main goal of a new website will be to have uh, articles uh, talking about the most uh, frequently asked questions, mm -hmm. and also we want to we want to put the, the FAQ on yeah on, on different articles. Like each section of the of the FAQ will be a separate article, so we can um, raise positions in in Google and and, mm -hmm. and make make uh, people you know find the information uh, yeah. easily. That's, I think that's the main uh, reason we, we, we want to, to make the, um, the web page, right? To have, to have it be a highly visible public resource rather than 
the group, which is, you know, it's not the first thing you find, you know, where the other, the other issue I'm ha- like, cause I'm, I've been for weeks. I mean, I had this, I had a job to do that was like, you know, my actual job um, where I had to stop working on this, but, but I've been trying to rewrite the FAQ from the Facebook group to take out the, all, cause we do so much internal linking within the group to say, mm-hmm. Oh, read this Facebook post, read that Facebook post. Whereas that won't work if we need the, if we have the FAQ, on a public website. So what I have to then do is go through all of these internal links, try to pull out the most important information and put that back into a context that we can use outside of Facebook. So Exactly. It's basically organizing the content because it's yeah. a bit lost. On it, it, There are yeah. lots of uh, very good posts and, and very good info there. But mm-hmm. if you're not very experienced uh, with groups, it can be a little bit uh, messy, yeah. right? To, to, to yeah. find the, the info because when you are starting out, you don't know, you really don't know who is uh, an experienced player or, or a newbie. And that's, mm, that's, that's something, really uh, that's a good point, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I think it's, it would also be helpful for us, I think, hopefully in the future on the website to have these sort of, maybe some articles by experienced players, or even like a link to this podcast would be great, where ultimately you have a collection of, of um, conversations with people who have to have a background, you know, I don't really consider myself part of that apart from the fact that I'm just, you know, tunnel vision obsessed, but, um, you know, I don't know people like these amazing players, people like Nigel or, or, um, Cliff Stapleton or, or Steve Tyler, or I'm, why am I only naming British people? I don't know, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, I'm just, Sergio just, Gonzalez. Yeah. Like with Sergio or, you know, um, there's, uh, there's a ton of incredible players in Germany, of course. Too, Come on, Stefan, Johannes, yeah. just... Uh, yeah. Um, there's, yeah, to, to Johannes Geworkian, Juran, oh, Pablo, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> you know, to maybe have some conversations with these people um, or articles where they talk about, you know, their background or whatever, or luthiers as well. That, oh, yeah. that's so that would be cool. Mm-hmm. We have to, we have to make, make that happen. Everything. We'll do that, yeah. So, you know, we, we, we might have to have a, 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 well, I don't know, we might have to have a, a, a Spanish version of the podcast at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm thinking about this today because there are, there are a lot of amazing players in Spain who might not feel comfortable doing this conversation in English. Well, I, I, I messaged uh, Marco Gamara, <clears throat> and hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. And he said yeah, something, that, yeah, he, he said that he, uh, say it again. Gamarra. Gamarra. There we go. Okay. I'm st- I'll get it eventually. Uh, but he, he was mentioning that his, his English isn't necessarily that great. So he, he wasn't quite sure. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. But Marco, if you're hearing this, my English is not necessarily great. And I do it. <laughs> so, I need you to come here. <laughs> it's the challenge. It's been made. <laughs> you know, I totally, I understand that reluctance. I would, I, you know, I've lived here for 15 years and I still would feel really reluctant doing a public podcast in Germany. Like, <clears throat> my accent is embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, I, I think um, so. W- one of your most um, influences, uh, one of the greatest influence in in in, in your um, in your playing was was metal, right, Sam? Absolutely, yeah. So Elvati was the end all be all for me. I think you know if it if it hadn't been for Elvati, if it hadn't been specifically for Anna Murphy's style, and for even she did some of the composing in that group as well back when she you know was was still in it. Um, that I, I don't think I would be doing anything I'm doing today if it hadn't been hmm. for that. So may, maybe 
for for those of you guys who are listening this and 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 you also like metal maybe we can do a a little list of of metal bands using uh, using uh, gurdis let's see um okay uh, for example i i i like uh, the the new band by well it's not new it, it has been around for for some years but the the how is the name of the the new group by by anna murphy Seller uh, oh, so darling, Seller yeah. darling, it's so cool. She's like those those three. Um, it's it's Anna Murphy and then um, Evo Hensi is the guitarist and Merlin Sutter is the drummer. They were all in Elvati up until 2015 and then they left and started this group. And they are just like they are such incredible composers that it's the the melodies are like they go straight into your ear and they stick in your brain and they stay there. And you can't like, I, I, I don't listen to the music that often because I know if I do, it will be in my head for like over a week and I won't be able to get rid of it. <laughs> but like, I, you know, I, it's, I, I, I initially thought, mm, I don't know if this is really my thing. Cause it's a bit more like progressive rock, mm. <laughs> you know, the, that metal. You're right. Yeah. It, it, no, no, no. I mean, I, it, it has definitely metal vibes. There's cause, cause Evo was originally like a, a, a melodic death metal guitarist and he had a really good, black metal band for a while called forest of fog and then he did um yeah and that sort of moved into melodic death as he was in elvati but then um yeah this is this goes it really reminded me of muse when i first heard it so <laughs> yeah i thought you know because it's the vocal styles and the sort of progressive riffs that they do but i and i thought I don't, I don't know if this is really my thing but then i went to see them live um and it was just you know <laughs> Like Anna is switching between instruments. She's singing. She's playing the flute. She's playing the keyboard. She's playing the hurdy gurdy, and they're just like in the absolute oh, joy and the, intent. The, the stand, right? She has yeah. the accent on a stand, yeah. and it's it was so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was That's, interesting. Yeah, really incredible so, stuff. What, what other what other bands uh, come to your mind when I say metal and hurdy gurdy? Don't put me on the spot here because all I can think <laughs> is crazy, and then there are all these other bands that you know. Apocalypse sort of Orchestra, for example. Oh, they're great too. Oh man, that's another one where I saw them it's live. Cool. I, 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 I saw them. I saw them in uh, here in, in Barcelona last year. Yeah. Cool. yeah, they played here, I think it was about two years ago at a festival called <clears throat> Frostfeuernächte. Frostfire Nights. It's like this tiny little festival out in the forest of Brandenburg. And uh, they were booked for that. And, and I was so like, bless the sound guy who worked for them because he really like, he worked hard to make sure that the hurdy gurdy sounded good. And it just vibrated the entire room because they're like wow. doom metal basically. And it's, <laughs> it was so incredible. Um, okay. I, think, I mean, because in Germany, it's, there's, there's a lot of crossover, like I said, between, you know, metal and this sort of medieval stuff. So you get hmm. a lot of those kind of bands, but I feel like, I mean, I enjoy the music, but but the hurdy gurdy really gets lost in there because you'll have like a hurdy gurdy and then like two or three bagpipes on top of it. Yes, yeah, like like with the uh, corpus corax and the yeah, and the yeah. organistrum. Eh? That yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's cool, but it's like oh, I don't know. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I feel like there's a real market gap uh, for hurdy gurdy and black metal. I because. I need to I make that happen, Sam. Yeah, I just, I remember, you know, um, Pablo, who plays in Sangre de Mordago. Yes, he's friends like, with Grief and all yeah, of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so that's the thing. It's, uh, um, you know, his, his main project is sort of a dark folk, acoustic, neo-folk thing. And it's uh, stunning. I love Sangre de Mordago. Sangre he, de Mordago, yes. Yeah, he used, to, he used to play in a band called Antlers. And they were black metal. And, and the reason I started listening to them is because I knew that Pablo was in the band as a guitarist. But when I bought their first album, I listened to it and there's there's like a few seconds of hurdy-gurdy right at the beginning. And I was like, I'm into this. 
but that was it. That was the, there was no more of that in there. And I was like, oh man, there really, there really should be more of this. Like they were such a good band too. It was too bad they broke up um, last year, I think. So. So when you're saying there's a gap, you mean that there should be more featuring of the Hurdy Gurdy in? Yeah, I, than... there, I just don't think there are very many black metal bands using it. I know that it's. I know that it sometimes it's like an accessory. Like there's a. Um, oh no, I'm going to pronounce this really badly. There's a Danish band called. It, I, I, like I know what the German translation of the word would be. It's Abscheu, and it's called it's A F S K Y, in Danish, and that's like Afski. I don't know. It's, it means disgust or revulsion. Um, and they had on their first album uh, a track that was like half hurdy gurdy or something that was really really cool. Where, but it was like you know where it sort of then blended right into that. Wah! You know, <laughs> that was really, really cool because it was a bit like Danish folk melody or whatever. And then it just went straight into. I understand why uh, it's difficult to, to put hard yeah. in metal, like, like to do it uh, properly. Yes. It's difficult because uh, our instrument is very modal, you know, mm-hmm. and, and metal is uh, very based on, 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 on chord progressions and, and chord changes. So for us, it's a bit like difficult to at least to use the, the the instrument as a whole right because for example in Elbeiti they they if i'm not mistaken you are you are the Elbeiti expert here but they they, they use it uh, a lot with only only chanters and yeah. and they do lots of uh, string switches and we yeah. eventually we will have michalina uh, someday here and we can yeah. we, uh, we can ask her about but um what do you think about this? Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, they they have worked it into the music. They like there are a lot of. I mean, people say people always used to the criticism of Elvati back in the day was always you know by, from the traditionalists was that oh they're not using the trumpet or oh they're not doing this or that where it was like okay first of all they do use the trumpet it's just mm. you know um, it's it's mixed in a different way in a lot of the tracks where you don't immediately hear it because it's there with drums it's there with bass it's there with, you know a thousand other instruments it gets a little lost but if you know what you're listening for it's definitely there. Um, but I think this was also the reason that Anna had, you know, instruments, for the most part, she had instruments that had four melody strings and she had a ton of drones and stuff because it get, and capos and it gave her the flexibility. This is, and this is why, you know, when people say there are so many people who are buying these saphonas that have the like fully tricked out with all the options, you know, and I think that makes sense if you're planning to join a folk metal band. If you have some experience playing the Gertie already and you, and you want to play with other people who are doing, you know, because a lot of the folk metal bands use Irish music, Celtic music, and you need to be able to have all the flexibility there to change yes. those keys. You need to be able to have the flexibility to do like prog rock kind of stuff. You know, if you're going to be playing in scales or, or whatever that aren't traditional for the hurdy-gurdy, that aren't, you know, Breton folk, or I, I don't know. So they use some of that in LVT as well. But if you're, if you're not using the traditional keys, then yeah, maybe you do need, you know, 10 strings or 12 strings or whatever, but <laughs> I don't know. But um yeah, with with Elvati, I think a lot of it, and that's it, it's like guitar shredding in a way. What what totally what, and what totally. Michalina definitely what Michalina does. Like she has a completely different playing style to Anna. She's I think she comes more from um, metalcore, like the sort of where where it came out of like mathcore, like those really it's that really fiddly stuff that you know where they're doing all these really progressive technical things on on the guitars. But it's a lot of this sort of, you know, up and down the scales, arpeggios, but really fast. And that's what shredding. she does. Shredding. Yeah, absolutely shredding. So <laughs> don't, you don't necessarily, it, it's just a different way to use the hurdy You don't necessarily need the drones or trumpet for that, but they do also incorporate them. Although I have to say with like the latest couple of, like, like since Michalina joined the band, 
the the dynamic of the mixes in the in the band has shifted a bit. And I don't think that's because she joined, but I think it's because they sort of purposely did a style shift towards more like symphonic gothic style because now they have an, a, a female singer who's a dedicated female singer where it used to be that Anna would sing and play the hurdy-gurdy um, and now oh, yeah. they have yeah. Yeah. Mm. singer as two different people so um, they're using the singer a lot they're using the female singer a lot more and so it's these sort of symphonic vocals and and the thing that's bothered me about their last two albums is that the hurdy-gurdy is so low in the mix that I'm like right yes <laughs> and I've said like I told them that after the concert I was like you guys please please the next album turn it up <laughs> like Michalina does these amazing uh, tutorials on YouTube on her on her YouTube channel. She did one on the, the Nuclear Blast Records channel as well, where she does the playthrough for the song, and there you can actually hear the hurdy gurdy part. So like I have to admit that I don't really listen to the latest LVT, LVT albums the way I listen to the old ones, but I will go to her channel and just listen to her version because I just <laughs> like you, like the song is playing in the background, but then the hurdy gurdy is emphasized. And that was, that was the thing I always loved about Alvati when I first started listening to them, is that their mixes were so clear that you could hear each individual instrument and one would go up as the others went down. And, you know, there were these beautiful dynamics to it that I think that's a huge thing that's missing in a lot of the rock bands that do use the Hurdy Gurdy. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is the studio and, I think, and, and live mixes as well. So I'm not a sound engineer. I don't know a lot about this, but I can... I can just tell when the hurdy gurdy is not loud enough. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> the time, exactly. <laughs> And what about you, Ryan? Do you do you uh, like uh, hardy gardens in metal or in rock? Well, I'm afraid to talk about this. <laughs> um, you pretty much I do. However, um, since I play guitar, and I really I'm afraid I'm gonna have to edit this out after I say it. So you're gonna have to tell me since, since I since I play guitar, and um, when I hear hardy gurdy playing certain things, I think to myself, why don't you just play that on guitar? Because it just sounds like a guitar to me. Yeah, uh, so I know, I think a lot of people have that. It's a guitar, but, but cooler. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I get that. I get that. I, 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 wish, I wish I would have started on the Hurdy Gurdy. Then I probably would have just been playing it on the Hurdy Gurdy. Um, but when I, when I listened to the Hurdy Gurdy, like, what, what I always loved about it was this, uh, this just kind of like overpowering magical experience. And maybe like what you're saying, um, Sam, if it was mixed when I would hear it so that it, I could, so it didn't sound like it was just sort of like a, a secondary factor uh, sometimes. Mm -hmm. I, I might be a little bit more into it, um, but you know, yeah, I, I'm I'm sort of on the fence about that. I, I haven't quite come to terms with it just yet. <laughs> I think a lot of people feel that way, especially if they come just from folk music, or you know, because I mean, this was. It's easy for me to look at it from this perspective because I didn't really listen to folk before I started playing the hurdy gurdy. Apart from it being in rock bands or metal bands, or you know, it just wasn't. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of wish my parents had been hippies or something because, that, you know, because a lot of people I know who are into this sort of folk grew up because, with that music because their parents liked it. Right. My parents were more into like Motown and soft rock and that kind of stuff, which, you know, is obviously valid, but you're not going to come across, you know. Well, I might, I, I, now that you're saying that, I think I might be a little bit prejudiced because I, I remembered that um, uh, uh, Gil uh, Chabonat, his new group, Muddy, Muddy Gertie. Muddy Gertie, yeah. I love that. But it's, yeah. it's he's playing he's playing what it sound what I would be playing on a blues guitar. Mm -hmm. So I think it just might be that I, I'm not as hardcore. I, I think I think that's it. I think I'm a little I'm a little bit softer. But you know, Sergio already told me that I'm already I like what would you say I like soft easy listening hurdy gurdy. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> for me, I think uh, the the hmm, the thing is the 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 order of factors like. 
do you build metal music from the Hardy Gardy or you put the Hardy Gardy into metal music? Right. Right. So I, I really want to hear someone like that, that does it like, like the, 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 the first thing I said, like you have your composition on the Hardy Gardy and then you put metal on it. There that you would go. be so nice. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that's really possible to do. There must be people out there who can do this. I'm not that person. I wish I could be. <laughs> well, we're not, we're, we're not there just yet, but that final track that you wanted to listen to the, the, the Zerp track, Oh, those I mean, guys. that's not metal. That's not metal. But when I listened to that, I thought that is exactly in my mind. If I had a, a kit drummer and a bassist and a guitar player, that's exactly what I would want to hear coming out of a hurdy gurdy. So, yes. yeah, that's I mean, Stefan also comes from that medieval background that he, you know, he came up with because he actually before he did syrup, he did a band. Oh, this, this is a difficult name. The band was called Liederlicher Unfug. Ooh, Yes. <laughs> Song nonsense, but in a sort of medieval like it's it, even the phrasing is the name is medieval. Um, so okay. yeah, it's uh they they did a lot of traditional tunes, but gave them a sort of I don't I don't know how to describe it. Like the the voice that Stefan has in his music is always there's a, there's a sort of a golden thread that goes through it. And it, it has this energy to it that you know it's a, it's a sort of cheerful cheerful energy where where if you've been to a German medieval fair, you also kind of recognize the voice in a way that, that they have this way of talking to audiences that's very like engaging mm -hmm. you know so they he does that a bit with syrup as well and that's one of the things i really really enjoy about the band because it just it like whenever i'm sad i listen to syrup because that's it is it is like it's like um prozac you know mm -hmm. it <laughs> levels you right out cheers you up because it's it's just joyful music and um but he also has, you know, coming up in that scene, I think has that background as well, that it's not just folk, but he would have been exposed to all of this, the, you know, these medieval rock bands that I was talking about as well. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you, that's, that, that rock vibe that's in La Toupie, I think that's where it comes from. And that's, they're always on stage like this when they play that song. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if you watch, they, they, they posted a video. Oh God, when was this? It's been a while. Um, I think the tune was called 540. Or five four zero, I don't know, um, but it was one of the, it's one of the tracks from their upcoming album, and uh, they posted a video for it. It must have been a year or two because they weren't they didn't know when the release was going to be, but they made this professional video for it. And if you watch till the end, they're like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I mean I think that that element is there in the music that it's an undercurrent. It's because they are really I mean they are still a sort of trad ball folk band, but they have that energy that's underlying it. Right, that's definitely with lots of P. That's that's their rock and roll anthem. <laughs> well, sh should, do you have any other questions for Sam, or should we just go ahead and listen to that track and see what it's all about? I'm gonna from this. Well, hold on. Let me let me pin you. Let me get my thing here. All right, pin, pin. There we are. All right, there it is. <laughs> so um, that's yeah. If you can see on the cover, there's um, it's a a grasshopper or a cricket, and its body is a hurdy gurdy because the word syrup is like that's the noise that a, a cricket or a grasshopper makes that chirping noise. Is this the, the name is also nice? The revolution. The revolution. The the right? It's yeah. can you explain the that? German, yeah, the German word for hurdy gurdy is drehleier, so it's like a liar that burns drehen, and so uh, like the German word for revolution is revolution, and so they've called it revolution. <laughs> revolution <laughs> is this the one that, is this the one that's not released yet or is this the one that no no, no. It, this is this is the one that came out in i think 2012 2012 yeah. okay all right so, um the new one is coming out i think the end of this year i don't know it should okay be, it should be soon 
Excellent. All right. Well, I'm really happy that both of you are here and it was a, a wonderful conversation uh, for the Hurdy Gritty Cafe podcast again. Um, Sorry, I just kind of talked. Well, I, I wish, you know, I'm looking at the time and I'm thinking to myself, we should just keep going and just split into two podcasts, but I don't have time or I would. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Forever, you know? yeah. Well, again, thank you both for being here. It was wonderful. And uh, uh, let's listen to some Zerp. That's it.